Hello from Brooklyn, New York. This is Rabbinic Redesign, and I am your host, Rabbi Shira Koch Epstein. We clergy leading Jewish communities through this new normal have unexpected opportunities to meet the needs of our people while also realizing our vision for Jewish flourishing. This podcast helps you access new ideas and helpful resources for successful rabbinic innovation. How might we have a halachic experience of the High Holidays without going out of our minds? Our guest today is Rabbi Eli Conver, President and CEO of the Hadar Institute in New York City. Eli and Hadar are working double-time to produce materials to allow for meaningful preparation for the holidays, even if they must be observed alone or only with family at home. Hi, Eli. Hi, Shira. I'm so glad that you're able to be with us here today on our podcast. My pleasure. So I'm here with Rabbi Eli Confer, who's the president and CEO of the Hadar Institute. And Eli, I know that the Hadar Institute has ramped up all of its effort to create materials to help people to prepare for high holidays in this new normal. Sounds pretty busy. It's true. Yeah. We're usually off for the high holidays at Hadar, but this year we're really pouring a tremendous amount of energy into preparing and getting ready for these days. So when we were speaking recently, you said your goal is to try to help people to have a halachic experience of the high holidays without going out of their minds. Can you tell our listeners a little more about that concern and what your vision is for helping to mitigate it? Sure. I think there's a lot of people in the Jewish world who will be spending the high holidays connected in some way to a Zoom service. And although it's not Ideal, it is in some ways mitigating the loneliness that people would otherwise experience. I think we're, we're wondering also about the people who are not comfortable for any number of reasons to log on to a Zoom service and thinking about how to support them both in the experience of the day itself and in the preparation and lead up to that time that they will sort of experience in a very isolated manner, many of them. I know. How are you feeling or thinking about your own experience of the holidays as someone who practices halachic observance of Judaism? (laughs) I would say it's a mixture of anxiety, dread, and opportunity. I'm actually thinking about it for myself that so many years I never really spend the time preparing for the high holidays and always sort of imagining that the holidays themselves will be the redemptive experience that I want them to be. This year I'm having a lot more focus on thinking about how to lead into those days. And hopefully we'll arrive at the doorstep of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, having done some amount of work and thinking and learning that will take me through those those times. Well, as you know, we're working to support Jewish clergy as they take stock of the needs of those who are already part of their communities or might one day be part of their communities to reflect on their vision of Jewish flourishing and to quickly try new things to address emerging needs. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you about Hadar's resources, but you're an inspirational teacher of Torah, and you just told me that you're doing a lot of work preparing for the Chagim and thinking in new ways. So before we get to the practical resources that our clergy might use, could you tell us a little bit about what you're thinking, something you're teaching, something you're learning? Just give us a little taste of what's going on in your mind. Sure. I've actually been spending a lot of time thinking about Vidui, about the confession that is such an integral part of Yom Kippur. And part of what I love about the Vidui is that it's an embodied act. It's something that you, you sort of 
bang your chest. And even the word vidui seems to come from the, the root yad, your hand, where you sort of hand over, you admit, you sort of confess something that you have been holding inside and you hold it out. The, the one aspect that I've been teaching about and thinking about around the literary background to confession is the Talmud says that all these different rabbis had versions of what they would say in the moment of Bidui, but then the Talmud boils it down for us and says, well, the essence of Bidui are three words, aval anachnu chatanu, but we have sinned. And the word aval there probably, instead of meaning but, really means in truth. And I love the idea of starting off a confession with the word in truth. You know, in truth, like we tell ourselves so many stories that are not true, like everything's fine, or I didn't really sin, or, you know, I, I talked to my parents enough, or whatever it is. And then when you have the moment of really facing facts, you say, well, in truth, you know, aval, that meant, really, I could do better. Really, we have sinned. And I think one of the powerful reference points for that word aval is that it shows up in the Torah as an admission of guilt by Joseph's brothers. They say, aval ashimim It's one of the very few times the word aval shows up in the Torah. And you think about the ways in which the Jewish people as a family admits guilt on Yom Kippur and says, you know, maybe we tossed our brother in the pit and we didn't pull him out. We sold him into slavery. And how much of our own sort of confession experience is also admitting the ways in which the Jewish world is oftentimes throwing each other into the pit slash under the bus and how we might change that this year. For sure. I know that's something that many of us experience. I know that's something that you have experienced. And it's interesting, Ellie, you're focusing on Aval as uh, truly. And both in that and in the Yosef quote or the brothers of Yosef, I noticed the Anachnu right? That in both cases, and it's something I've often focused on in Vidui, that it's anachnu, right? We have committed these offenses. We have missed the mark. And I'm really thinking this year when we may not be able to be together when we say anachnu, what are some innovative ways? What are some new ways that we might find ourselves connected to the collective, even when we might be sitting alone or just with a few people as we beat our chests and say, aval anachnu chatanu? I've heard some interesting ideas out there. I'm wondering if you've heard anything or had any thoughts on that. I'm putting you a little bit on the spot. Yeah, I love, first of all, I love the idea that you're focusing on about the anachnu being so elemental and essential about the orientation around confession. And probably it's the thing that we take for granted. Maybe even we take comfort in the fact that when we get together in synagogue, well, I didn't do this, but somebody in the room must have done right. that. So I can confess you know, to that sin in the plural. This year, that's stripped away for so many of us, and the we is a luxury that we won't have. It's so much more of an I than a we. You know, I think that in terms of mitigating that, I'm thinking about the ways in which we as a collective can gather in advance of the holidays and how we might be supportive to each other as we do that run-up. Uh, to put another way, I think, I think Elul as a month of preparation is really so high value this year because it is an opportunity for us to come together as a group. And while we may not be going through the literal motions of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in that space, it is a moment for Anachnu. And I'm thinking about both personally and and through Hadar, the ways in which we can gather effectively in that time. I know that's something that Hadar is focusing on, on Elul and the opportunities that Elul brings this year. Could you tell, so as you know, we're talking to clergy, to rabbis, cantors, maharats, etc. 
Can you tell us a little bit about the resources Hadar is offering? We'll start with for Elul and how clergy might utilize those resources as they respond. I know that your resources can simply be used by end users. They don't need to be mitigated by clergy, but for sure, clergy could utilize these resources as they're teaching and engaging their congregants. Yeah, and I think Hadar for a long time has had a unique audience of rabbis that we've tried to serve. We in normal non-coronavirus times, we gather rabbis for a five-day immersive learning experience every March. And it's cross-denominational. People just love to be back in the Beit Midrash, studying the text in the original and becoming students of Jewish learning, which is unfortunately a rare luxury for many rabbis. So we're thinking about the ways in which we could support rabbis through content productions and prompts this year that you can use with yourself or with your, your congregants. I think that the power of the faculty at Hadar is that we have the time and the energy to invest in the, in the learning around the content leading up to high holidays, because we're not also, you know, working with plexiglass, doing membership services and all that stuff, which is so critically important in this time. But we want to sort of share the abilities that we're able to invest in the learning with a rabbinic audience. And I think that that ranges from, you could just search, like on Google, like type in the word Hadar, or Hadar plus your favorite faculty member and whatever topic you're searching on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And there's probably an audio and a content item that you can read and listen to. We're producing new and specific resources for this year explicitly as well. And I think beyond just our archives, we're making available a variety of different, I would say a combination of learning resources, but also practical resources. Like what are the halachic guidance that you need to blow the shofar correctly? You know, it's more than just getting the sound out, but you know, what's the, for the people who, do, who are really doing this for the first time and they sort of want to stick to the halachic orientation around the, the blowing of the shofar, we want to offer guidance to that. We want to offer practical halachic guidance to what it means to do a service on your own. You know, which parts can you cut? Which parts do you kind of have to say? Which parts can you say if you have time and energy, but you don't need to? That's on the practical side. And we have a variety of other resources as well. So just to clarify for our clergy who are leading communities where people are going to be for themselves blowing shofar in their homes, are going to be leading themselves through the liturgy. Let's say a clergy person is so focused on the realities they have to deal with in their community, they can go to hadar.org and they can find a resource they could share with their congregants or perhaps modify for their specific context that explains how to blow shofar, how to blow shofar according to halacha, how to um, daven according to halachic guidelines if they want to make decisions about what they're going to be doing in their worship at home. And that could be a tremendous resource. I know there are a lot of clergy who are working to create these guides for themselves, and it might take a, a bit of pressure off of them to be able to utilize these resources. Can you tell us if there's anything else that people should specifically go to your website to look for? And when I say people, I'm here talking about clergy again. Yeah, so I'll, I'll mention two other resources. One is on the the music and sort of leading high holiday front, our Rising Song Institute, Hadar's Center for Jewish Music and Song is putting out a variety of videos that go step-by-step through the Mahsar, indicating how you can lead it and how you can sing it. Now, for some communities who have a cantor, like that's all they're doing. But for some places that, you know, have lay people do that and 
not everybody's going to have access to all the people who are leading the davening this year. We're th imagining a much wider group of people who are taking ownership around that. And I think these, these videos help guide those leaders that are probably organized by the clergy staff to really get confident and take it to the next level in terms of what it might mean to lead high holiday services and to sing the parts that are singable. And the other resource that I'll mention for rabbis is working with our uh, online Chavruta program called Project Zoog. We have a special newly launched Elul program uh, on Project Zoog where I'm teaching a course on the Machser itself. It's intended for lay people to learn on their own, but a lot of rabbis use that as sort of a curriculum that they can easily take off the shelf and guide congregants through a learning experience with. So you don't have to sort of do it all yourself. It's there for you. Ellie, I'm not sure that everyone listening is familiar with Project Zoog. So could you just take a step back and explain the project and the program for people who are not familiar? Absolutely. Project Zug, Z-U-G. So it's projectzug.org. You can also find it through the Hadar website, hadar.org, is really meant to leverage the internet to bring Jewish learning to people who are not in the same room. And what I mean by that is it allows you to work through a set of texts with guiding questions as a chavruta without a teacher standing there and sort of frontally feeding you their bottom line, but allowing the learners themselves to make their way through text, ask questions, and to build relationships one with the other through the substantive engagement with Jewish wisdom. So, you know, it's, it was actually originally designed to connect Americans and Israelis who sort of by nature are not in the same place, but over the years, it has served to connect Jews in all different kinds of locations, one to the other through Jewish learning. Before Corona, we were seeing a very popular use of it in, by rabbis as sort of an adult ed offering in their own synagogue. So congregants who spent a lot of times, you know, sort of at Kiddush together, but finally get to learn with each other and create deeper relationships. That's where we've seen a lot of usage of it. And, and now in isolation, it's a great platform to connect to people that you would otherwise see in person, but you can't. And it's designed to connect people through, through the internet. And so our clergy can help to connect their members to each other through Project Zoog, right? If they want to say, I want to connect this congregant with this congregant, and they're going to study Talmud together, utilizing the technology, the interface, and the materials of Project Zoog, that's something that they can do. Is that right? Exactly right. And I think the, the beauty of Project Zoog is that it's uh, a platform. There are a whole variety of courses up there. We have more than 30 courses. And so if you want to study the Talmud, there's definitely some Talmud classes up there. But we also have a very popular course on the music of Leonard Cohen. We have a course of Bob Dylan. So there's uh, a whole range of ways in which you think of Jewish learning very broadly. And I would say that, yeah, rabbis have used this both to leverage the possibility of deeper relationships among their congregants and also to allow them to be a teacher of this content that they can review in advance and bring people together in a group and sort of do a group learning session as well. So it's really, in some ways, very flexible as a learning tool. Well, Ellie, that's really helpful. We're going to make sure that on our website, centerforrabbinicinnovation.org, we have links to the materials from hadar.org and also from projectzug.org. If you don't have a pen or pencil, we'll make sure that all of those materials are available to you through our website. And I want to thank you because I know I've heard and spoken with so many clergy, rabbis, cantors, maharats, rabbas, rashe kihila, we use all kinds of titles. But one thing we have in common right now is trying to meet the incredible need of our communities during this new normal. 
And as you said, also trying to figure out the how of all of these logistical issues. And so being able to have some support on the what, we may pride ourselves in creating our own materials, but this year being able to turn to Hadar and to the wisdom of the amazing scholars that you offer could be a great support for our clergy. And I want to also thank you for helping us think about how to have a halachic celebration without losing our minds when we may not be able to be in synagogue or with those that we love beyond the ones who live in our homes or maybe right next door. So thank you so much. Do you have any last words you'd like to share with our audience before we say goodbye today? I'll just say that I so appreciate all the work that all the clergy are doing. And it's something that you know, nobody could have ever predicted and the amount of time that everybody is putting in is so incredible. So I have a lot of gratitude to all the work of the clergy listening here. And thank you for all that you're doing to support your members and further the Jewish people. Thank you to you as well. I know that these are busy, busy times for all of us. And thank you for the work you're doing and for the tremendous spirit of generosity for sharing these materials with everyone who comes looking for them. And so I want to wish you a Shana Tova Umetuka. I hope that it will indeed be a better year in the coming year. And thanks for all you're doing. Uh, We'll direct people to hadar.org and hope that everybody can continue their learning and only have an increase in Torah. So, Shana Tova. Shana Tova. While Ellie and his team are producing so many thoughtful materials for learning and observance at Hadar.org, my favorite part of our conversation was Ellie's teaching about the Vidui. If you want an easy way to learn more about Rabbi Ellie Confer, access links to Hadar's resource guides and classes, or learn more about Project Zug, you can go to our website at www.centerforrabbinicinnovation.org slash podcast. Special thanks to our operations guru, Heather Wolfson, our editor, Andrew Kroger, the Office of Innovation, and our fiscal sponsor, Hillel International. This podcast is a program of the Center for Rabbinic Innovation, made possible thanks to the support of the Jewish Community Response and Impact Fund. 